1: War Room. This is Bill Evans, Joe Salant from Casa Salant here at War Room uh, Studio West in Prosper, Texas. Fellowship and uh, hospitality from Joe and Misty uh, here over the weekend with their children and Ruger the Wonder Dog. Yes. And Joe has been uh, doing a great job out there uh, with Toby and John Andrew Reisner on some of his boots-on-the-ground segments. Today on The War Room, we wanted to ask what I believe is a very tactical question. You know, abolitionists like to ask frequently, and it's a relevant question indeed, what does it look like to be a Christian in a nation that practices child sacrifice? In 1976, the book by Francis Schaeffer, How Shall We Then Live, was first published. It's also a pertinent question, a pregnant question. How shall we then live? So we want to combine those two and take the next logical step and ask this question today in the war room. What does it look like to be a Christian in a nation that's under God's divine judgment?
2: You know, um, I can't think of a more practical and tactical topic than that. You know, you even go throughout the churches and the ministry-industrial complex. um, You'll very rarely hear even pastors who are living it up in the ministry-industrial complex deny the fact that America is a nation under judgment. It seems like that there is some level of uh, intellectually grasped consensus on that fact yet. There is hardly anybody that's actually living as if we are a nation under judgment. And the question, what does it look like to be a Christian in a nation that's under judgment? Uh, What would we live like if we believed as Christians that judgment was coming? And
1: judgment strikes, whether it's an F5 tornado or a flood or whatever, something uh, that's sudden and unexpected Presumably, it catches people in the midst of sinning, and it also takes the lives of people in the midst of them being covenantally faithful. Right, Doing family devotions or right. bathing their children or fixing dinner or being good employers and stewards of what God is doing. So right. death tends to be the great equalizer and takes indiscriminately from a human perspective. We're not talking about people being faithful day in and day out. We're saying... That because we are uh, people who believe in gospel victory in time and space, we believe that Jesus is Lord, and because he's Lord, he cannot fail, and he has given us the commission to be uh, the means by which he exercises his dominion over everything in the cosmos that, that we can touch, uh, it, 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 it should go without question that whatever catastrophe would befall us as individuals, as a family, as a community, as a region or nation. With the big picture in mind and with God's commission as our marching orders and with his grace as our sufficiency, we are going to pick ourselves back up and press yeah. on. Yeah. And keep, and keep extending the kingdom. Now, Admittedly, at this, when you're, we live in a nation full of rebellion, and virtually all of the human institutions are arrayed against the Lord and against His Christ, and saying, "Let us break asunder His bands, or we will not have this one to be King over us." Well, obviously, there's a lot of debris and a lot of interference that we have to run. Uh, we don't have a clean, clear playing field, we, we have the world, the flesh, and the devil arrayed against us right. as we go forth conquering and to conquer in the event that God and we know, and, and, and even a broke watch is right twice a day and even though I wouldn't quote Jefferson as a theologian ordinarily, I believe he was absolutely right, when he said, I fear for my nation when I consider that God is just and that his justice cannot tarry forever absolutely and so that being the case if we believe that God's judgment is is pending now I'm not saying it's imminent like it's going to happen tomorrow or, and I'm not relating this at all to the eclipse but we, we are presumptuous to think that uh, and we're just like the godless in Noah's day if we consider that you know, we're just eating and drinking and taking wives and giving in marriage and building bigger barns for our storehouses, and we think that tomorrow will in, will inescapably be like today. We presume upon the kindness and the forbearance of God, uh, and so the question is: if we believe that God's judgment hangs over America. Uh, and some of you, uh, when I use the word "hangs over," you'll hearken back to Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," yes. how the wicked are virtually dangling over the abyss of hell, and it's only the mercy of God and, and the yes. fact that he he relents and pouring out his wrath that keeps them from. Okay, if you if you if we understand if we understand that how holy God is and how much of an affront. Uh, we are as a nation to him not necessarily as individuals you may be a covenanting covenant-keeping christian and, uh, and a covenant-keeping household nevertheless we are in this together in the fact that we are a people and god r- refers to us as nations so the question is is if we intend if 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 your response to judgment and the impending destruction that could result from that and the Loss of life and the disruption of everything you know. If your response to that is, "Hey, to live as Christ and die as gain," and you accept that for you and your children, your whole household, hey, I- I'm right with you. That's that's that I'm good with that. But right. if you want to be one of the remnant right. that returns singing unto Zion, right you know, the songs of ascent and begin to rebuild. And you want to be part of that faithful remnant, like the Nehemiah's modern day Nehemiah's right. Then you've got to be taking some preparatory steps in the same way that Joseph was warned to lay up in the years of fatness for the years of leanness.
2: Right. Right. I mean, we have to be 100% wise with this. Look, At the end of the day, bad eschatology has caused for the church uh, in America a lot of the problems that we face, a lot of these idols that are going uncontested in the culture, a lot of this statism today that has just reached the boiling point where we're kind of sitting there thinking, wow, Jefferson said that like back in the founding era, and here we are today, and we can see a lot of wickedness from the founding era itself, and here here we are today. Uh, basically withdrawn as a church from the culture we're we're no we're not a we're we are a we're relegated to the periphery of the culture we have done that through false eschatology we've done that through through pietism refusing to believe uh that jesus is lord over every area of life i mean goodness how shall we then live it's certainly not With the light under the bushel, uh, the city on the hill with the lights out um, where one baby is being slaughtered every 30. So think about that. If you're God, you're knitting together an image bearer in the womb, in the holy of holies, in the womb of the woman. You're knitting together an image bearer and every 30 seconds, one, as you're knitting them together in that space, that precious human being one out of every 30 seconds is murdered brutally, right there, as you're knitting them together. And the church stands to the side and allows this practice of child sacrifice to the god of the culture. Culture is religion externalized. Lawlessness is idolatry. And this is going on under the guise of law, when it's the ultimate shaking the fist at the heavens, And we can't even get this one right. We can't even get the churches to oppose child sacrifice, let alone oppose the delivering of man into the dominion of man in the form of the police state, the prison industrial complex, unbalanced scales at a national level, um, uh, uh, taxation that is going on that is just institutionalized theft.
1: Exportation
2: of death and violence. I mean, the the laundry list. We can't even get the obvious one, like don't uh, burn your sons uh, to Moloch on an altar. Don't sacrifice your children to Baal. We can't even get that one right to contend with to contend against that as the bride of Christ in America. Look, judgment is the obvious response the, the, if somebody really thinks covenantally they're thinking well how, why is it the judgment hasn't come already and Ezekiel 5 5-11 through 11, now check this out imagine if you're in a position and I'm going to let Bill expound on this because it was just so powerful the way that he put it but imagine if you're in a situation where you're the church and you, you did not oppose the murder of preborn children you allow child sacrifice to take place, and then you find yourself in a position where you actually have to eat the flesh of your children to survive. That is what the judgment of God looks like in Scripture. Ezekiel 5, 5-11 says, Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the center of the nations with countries all around her, and she has rebelled against my rules by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than all the other countries around her, for they have rejected my rules and not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you are more turbulent than the nations that are around you, and you have not walked in my statutes or obeyed my rules, and you have not acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, even I am against you and I will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. And because of all of your abominations, I will do with you what I have never yet done and the like of which I will never do again. Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst and sons shall eat their fathers. I will execute judgments on you and any of you who survive, I will scatter to all the winds. Therefore, as I live declares the Lord God, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all of your detestable things and all of your abominations, I will therefore I will withdraw my, I will not spare. I will have no pity. This is the God who, because Jerusalem because Judah because Israel before them actually allowed their children to be sacrificed to the state to the humanistic state to the to the moloch to the king state in the form of child sacrifice these religious leaders these religious people found themselves to stay alive actually eating the flesh of their children as the Babylonians had surrounded the city and cut off all of the resources going into Jerusalem in that siege in 586 B.C. This actually literally happened. This is history. Wouldn't it be appropriate if American pastors woke up one morning and the lights didn't come on or went to the sink and turned the sink on and water didn't come out Bill how long from that point when you go to hit that light switch you're a pastor you're going to go prepare your sermon on I don't know the fundamentals of a cheerful giver alright and you wake up on a Tuesday you took Monday off because you, you know done a whole bunch of work that sunday that lord's day and you wake up on a tuesday and you're like you know what i had a dream i'm gonna do i'm doing this sermon about a cheerful giver and i'm gonna prepare this and i'm gonna go to the kitchen and i'm gonna turn the lights on and the lights don't work what happens from that point on bill
1: well regardless of whether uh, about judgment judgment comes incrementally, I mean the nation of Israel Jerusalem lived under the control of Babylon and various different Babylonian administrations for several admi- king's administrations before uh, the treachery had gotten to the point where Nebuchadnezzar just ordered Jerusalem raised to the ground and the same is true of the Romans and if we look at history the annals of history are are covered with the debris of empires that thought they were going to last a long time from the Sumerians and the, and the Phoenicians and the Philistines to the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Medes, Persians, Greeks, Romans, Nazis, Communists, and United States. And um, we know that God, uh, you know, at some point, uh, we are already under judgment. You read Job 12, and you read what god does to the leaders where he says he uh that he leads counselors away stripped and makes judges to be fools and he and he leads priests away stripped and overthrows the mighty and he deprives of speech those who are trusted and takes away the discernment of elders and pours contempt on princes and loosens the belt of the strong and he makes nations great and destroys them he enlarges nations and leads them away, he takes away the understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in a pathless waste and grope in dark without light and makes them stagger like drunken men you've heard it said many times by John Calvin or us quoting John Calvin, you haven't heard Calvin said uh... But God, when God judges a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. Mm-hmm. And so we're suffering under that initial shockwaves. And Jesus said, when you look at the sky, yeah. you know if it's red. In other words, you, you, you can discern the times. And we talk about the men of of uh, Issachar. Issachar who discern the times and know what they ought to do. Francis Schaeffer asked the right question. We just didn't answer it. Right. And... Subsequently, we now—it's 41 years have passed, and the patience of God has been sorely tested, and the cries and the blood have risen to His ear, up to His ears. And so we say, "Okay, America is very, very fragile." Anybody who's done any reading uh, by James Wesley Rawls or Fortune, uh, one second after other books that deal with preppers or deal with uh, scenarios of of, of, of catastrophe on a, on a nationwide scale know that whether or not it is a geological disaster like the New Madrid earthquake or the Yellowstone uh, caldera or whether it be an asteroid or whether it be a solar flare or an EMP or, or even a, uh, a, a nuclear explosion a, a warhead that went off over a major city because of the fragility of the electrical grid, the interconnectivity, and uh, there are any number of things that could completely disrupt the flow of products, goods, uh, the availability of energy, fresh water, such that uh, without going in ad nauseum into the various different scenarios, the loss of life would be catastrophic. In fact, your neighborhood would become toxic it would be filled with death hmm. the germs the bacteria the wild animals man the parasites the stench the lack of sanitary toilets toilets wouldn't work fresh water if you don't have gravity fed water filters if you don't have a source of fresh water wow then your family you will watch your family die and you, they will do it within 48 to, to 72 hours and who dies first well, presumably the, the old and the sick and the children wow wow and so uh, and then there'll be no food and if you have no food and no water you'll go looking for it rather than watch your children starve and your neighbors will also be looking for it and so at that point you won't need weapons to protect yourself from the police or from the red Chinese there'll be marauding bands of your former neighbors who are who are desperate because they're willing to do anything to keep from dying. And so it's gonna be it's gonna become very ugly, brutish, and violent quickly. And if you have resources, then you'll have to protect those resources. Now we now whether or not it's 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 a it's a a situation like this which resembles all the worst parts of the Bible, or whether it's just a tornado or an ice storm or power outage due to a transformer blowing up we talked about this on a former, on a previous war room podcast with with Matt Marquardt. um We talked about covenantal faithfulness and the responsibility of self defense. The idea is that uh, uh, if, if anyone does not provide for the needs of his household, he's worse than an unbeliever. Well, that's not just meaning you know get keep the electric bill paid and food in the refrigerator and make sure that we've got tickets to the ball game right. and are that you get your fam- devotions done. I mean, it's not just take care of the needs of your family today, but take care of your family, the needs of your family, what if? The Proverbs said that a righteous man sees trouble and hides himself from it. Right. And uh, and people, if they want to, and again, I don't think that we have to make the case that judgment is coming, and therefore uh, our exhortations have relevance I think you would have an impossible task, exegetically, of persuading us that judgment isn't already here and getting worse. Right now, that you, you, we did some research that verse in Mark. Is it where's that on the screen? Right, right. Now, yes. Can God heal? Can God forgive? Sure. Uh, but we were we we were talking earlier about one of the the uh, Jesus words in the parables. In in Mark chapter 4 when he says and when he was alone those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables and he said to them to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God but for those outside everything is in parables so that they may indeed these are frightening words. They may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It's clear that God had determined to exercise judgment against them and that he wasn't going to grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. That he had already determined what he would do. You know, in the case of... uh, uh, the verse we had earlier with um, Noah and, oh yeah. He's, we're in, well, Jeremiah 11, where he says, Therefore, I do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry of prayer for them, for I will not listen when they call to me because of their disaster. Now, wow. you may try to argue that that's not us, that we haven't reached that point yet. Do you know right. that for a fact? Wow. are you are you are you standing in the place of the the, 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 the holy God and, uh, uh, and and saying wait a minute wait a minute who are we to, he said he does his will among the hosts of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth and no one can stay at his hand or save him what are you doing in other words we're not that bad yet you know in Ezekiel 14 19 through 20 the Lord says or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut off from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves, their own lives by their righteousness. So it's clear that in the, that in the economy of God, things can reach a place where god no longer intends to deliver right and he doesn't even want to hear you talk about it
2: right right he
1: says i'm done and they said well, what shall we pray he says pray for those who uh, uh for those who are destined to death to death and, he, and that's it and, it's and, and he so says dumb. that's what you you know and, and think about this folks when we pray and he said well this is this is applying these old testament passages and how do we know that these are that those apply to us and when we pray, thy kingdom come, mm. thy will be done. What, in fact, are we asking God to do? Well, if you know the catechism, we know that we're asking him to crush his enemies under his feet and to convert the nations. Amen. Now, if we are a part, if, if if God intends to go on a, think of the, the Passover. Mm. You could be a righteous man. Israelite in covenant with God and you didn't have the blood on the lintel of the on, on the lentil of the door on mm-hmm. the doorposts, mm-hmm. the angel of death was going to get you. Hit your house. If you're living among the goats and God is determined to destroy the goats, then the admonition is given pretty clearly in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, come out from among them and be separate. Amen. Amen. You know, if you stay. In the midst of this sinful and wicked generation, but you say, "Well, how are we going to reach them if we separate from them?" There, become, there comes a point in time when it's men and women, <laughs> women and children first. You know, abandon ship, right. or in the case of Noah, board the ship. Right. Noah was a man who believed in the promises of God. We would say in modern day terms, he was a post millennialist. He believed in the in the victory of God's uh, dominion and he was under the dominion covenant and very aware of it and in the midst of this, and you've seen my memes on Facebook perhaps and in the midst of the greatest tragedy and catastrophe that ever had befallen the earth Amen. he was making preparations and it took him 100 years to do it right? so that his family would survive, a remnant would survive and that he would be in a position to rebuild now, when we ask God to build your kingdom, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When? After I die? I don't build it until I'm out of the way, Lord, so I don't have to... <laughs> Are a thousand years from now? What if we ask... What if God wants to answer our prayers quickly and begin to build his kingdom? Well, is he going to build it on wood, hay, and stubble? Mm. No, he's going to clean the slate. Yeah. He's going to clean off the, the... Isn't it interesting that that Jerusalem was leveled that that, that 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 not one stone was left stone. on another on the temple. In other words, he's not going to build on another and Paul said he wasn't going to build on another man's foundation either. Right. Right. And God is not going to build on me. So it means that if we are serious about praying God that kingdom come thy will be done now on earth as soon as as as, as it pleases you Lord, then that means that he is going to come against his enemies and all those nations that refuse to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, his son. And if we're in that situation when the hammer drops, mm-hmm. unless the Lord delivers us, and that's by based on our preparation and providence, God commanded Noah to build an ark. And God... And, and, and Noah couldn't destroy, Noah could not flood the earth, and God wouldn't build the ark. Meaning that we can't do God's job. He won't do our job. Right. And so if we're going to be covenantally faithful, if we're going to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, then we want to see God destroy those enemies of his whom he does not intend to bring to repentance. And I'm when I'm thinking of, of Mark, Where he said, lest they believe, lest they be forgiven, lest they repent. I'm looking on the scene today and said, if there was any, if, if there was any, if, if repentance was in the future, and of course repentance comes from, from the Lord, if there was repent, wholesale repentance in our nation, uh, yes, I think revival comes from the bottom up, but repentance comes from the top down. I can't repent for the president of the United States. Amen. Amen. Revival comes from the bottom up. Mm. Repentance comes from the top down. Man, and the churchy and leaders, and so, and and again, where he says, and even if where he gives a reprieve to Hezekiah or Jehoshaphat or Josiah, says, look, because of your obedience, because you've torn down these high places, I'm going to get, I'm not going to bring the judgment on your watch, Mm. but I am not changing my mind. Wow. you know, so as we begin to listen, we don't have the definitive or final word on this, folks, and we're not. We're just saying, as you as you as you sort of process this stuff, yeah. And you think, what sort of people should we be? How shall we then live? Right. If judgment is the next event on our timeline, and we intend to be swept up in the conflagration and forever be joined to the Lord praise God to live as Christ to die as gain. If however it is your intent to become one of the like I said before one of the modern- day Nehemiah the remnant that go back to rebuild Zion then you got to prepare and that and that also means what should the church look like right when we're under judgment should we be gathering together to play softball? Are to have bake sales, are to just study, just another biblical topic, just so that we can continue to have something you know for on, in the schedule for Wednesday night, or should we start, as has been suggested by some of our brethren, should we start aligning ourselves and uh, assembling ourselves into something of a Social order. When people say a fortress mentality, a an encampment, uh, a, a battle, a battleship mentality instead of a cruise ship mentality, yeah, uh, you're not going to be able to make it on your own. You're going to need to be living in communion and cooperation with other people that you can trust, and and so the members of your fellowship, do you have any kind of plan for what you would do in in uh, a disaster, whether it's a short-term local disaster like an ice storm or tornado or loss of power or flood, or if it was the big one, the end of life as we know it. But, but I can tell you that if this happens, it would immediately become, and one of the reasons why I believe that America is, this would, it makes so much sense is because if America would become a byword and a hissing for the nations, mm-hmm. the United States uh, uh, it would be like Lucifer, son of the morning, he exalted himself and said, I will be like the most high. Right. That is the attitude of the United States. Pride, pride and arrogance and to see this nation brought low and to see it decimated to the extent that the, the loss of life would be in the 80 90 percentile range and wow. that we, there would there would be no recovery for a, a generation or two do you realize that the, that the naval Oceanographic and the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Association NOAA has already drawn up a map a a, a crisis management map FEMA and the in the in the FEMA camps the holding camps that have been built in anticipation of a new Madrid earthquake, that the United Continental United States would be split into two halves, and that it would be water from the Great Lakes, Chicago, all the way to New Orleans, and it would and, and it would be from Little Rock, Arkansas, to Nashville, Tennessee, and everything in between would be underwater, which would basically decimate the interstate highway system, the electrical grid, the natural gas pipeline system, over a dozen nuclear power plants. And it would basically, the North American continent would be thrust back into 18th century living conditions. Yeah. Overnight. Wow. Could you survive? And how long could you survive? Would you have enough where you could exercise any sort of discretionary charity to others? Or would you just have to hoard it for yourself and for your, your little, you'd be like Swiss Family Robinson in your own little island? Right. You know, these are things that we're not going to try to provide you all the definitive answers on this war room podcast, but there is nothing more tactical as a Christian than surviving the wrath of man or the judgment of God.
2: Right. Right.
1: And you know, the the people who
2: are going to be definitely taken care of, um, you know, assuming that God doesn't absolutely just wipe them out with a fireball, is going to be that, you know, secular elite if they can get down into their sheltered bunkers and things like that. So, if Christians in this culture actually want a chance to rebuild Christendom based on the law of God after judgment comes, and look, even if judgment does not come the way that we're you know the fire and brimstone way we're talking about. You know from scriptures like Ezekiel five and in Jeremiah eleven and Ezekiel fourteen and things like that. It, it, it is the height of hubris to think that America will look the same way that it, it looks today. As a matter of fact, um, you spoke about secession as being a biblical solution, and I see secession here in two in two different kinds of lights here. Obviously a state or a county can, can secede and say, you know what, uh, for example, uh, you know, X county in the state of Texas, look, Texas sacrifices
1: 60,000 well, bays. You, you, you still, you're still dealing with civil government and you're still dealing with unregenerate code right. breakers. I think what needs to happen is that Fellowships, congregations of faithful believers and their families need to begin to develop a secession mentality as a fellowship, as a congregation, to where they become a, uh, Stephen Perks refers to it, as a kingdom within a kingdom, to where you uh, hold all things in common, where you live in close proximity to one another. You're set up and you have your plans in order already how by you are going to support one another in hard times, right. whether it be for mutual defense or for sharing foodstuffs or, or, what, or, 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 or whatever the case may be? Churches should begin to look more like cavalry outposts in Indian country. Right. We should be look. We should look like outposts of the king's army. Right. In hostile territory. Right. And. Where the the ecclesia, where it is communing, communing, communing together, is like an oasis in the wilderness. Right. Where they have laid up stores during times of fatness, mm. and they have enough to exercise discretion and give and charity. Right. Obviously, they would withhold it from scurrilous bandits and those who would take all they have, but they could exercise it discretionally, and they should do it. At a distance, they should not let people into their midst. But the point being is that consult, I would encourage people to um, a couple of resources. One, Beyond Off Grid, great documentary made by Reconstructionists. Um, Check it out on YouTube. Secondly, SurvivalBlog.com by James Wesley Rawls. He's a Reformed Christian, a a survivalist. He's called the Godfather Prepper. former army Army intelligence his website survivalblog.com is a treasure trove of practical information that you can begin to steps you can begin to take to increase the odds that your family will be have the means necessary to survive and be in a position where you have sufficient resources to begin to rebuild Right, right.
2: And um, what about the duty of seceding from a lightless lampstand, from a church that is not act- that is the reason for judgment.
1: William you know, Goodall's God. come outerism.
2: Yeah, good judgment manuscript. begins
1: in the household of the Lord. And yes, but the thing about it is—is—is is, is, here's the thing. You might—you might go to a fellowship that has good soteriology right. and they sing. The old-time, you know, they sing about old-time religion. They've got the Trinity hymnal. And, and their elders are not overbearing. They're caring shepherds and all that. But if the message you're hearing from the pulpit is peace, peace, yeah, buddy, you don't need an exegetical scholar to look around and tell you that that message does not comport with reality. That
2: has no boots on the ground whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, it's idolatry. Because every injustice, the root of every injustice, covenantally thinking, is idolatry. A false god is being worshipped. And if the pulpits, if the elders are not preaching against injustice in society, whether it be the abortion genocide, police, the militarized border, Big Brother surveillance—if these things seem to the pulpits like they're on the periphery, that they're not really, that they have nothing to do with the gospel—but the whole joke is on them. They're the, they are the—they are the ones from Mark four, and, and it may
1: very well be before you see real physical. Uh, judgment from the atmosphere or from the earth or from pandemics it might just very well be that the civil government which the uh state church yeah the 501 c3 religion dispensary network loved to prop up when it turns against them and begins to oppress them and to where these people begin to cry out to god for relief and saying wait a minute this is we can't you know and God says, "I don't want to hear your. I don't want to hear your prayers." Yeah. Uh, I I really do think, and this is going to sound anathema to some people because they already think that we're deconstructionists. But you know, we had this. We have this tradition, this reformed tradition. This this uh, 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 the rubrics of reformed worship, the uh, the regulative principle of worship, where you you know, for it to be a to be a, a, a service, you know you, it needs to be you know, okay open the word and you have preach. Why not the saints get together and learn how to grow food? our canned food, our reload ammo, our field strip and ak-47 mm-hmm. or an M4. Uh, what I'm saying is that these are skills that which will enable you you know when in, in, in Nehemiah's men uh, had a, a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Presumably, they were skilled with both, and that was kingdom activity. Amen. But, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that the elders and the and the teachers of God's people are not concerned with teaching God's people anything that's useful. Nope. In the event of a meltdown. yep yeah. In the event that God uh, makes good His promise yeah. to do. To destroy his enemies. Yep. Yep. Because, who are all around us. Absolutely.
2: And I tell you, man, they, 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 this is not the time for Taco Tuesday church programs as, as usual. I, I, I just don't see, I, the place I would not want to be the most is in a sanctuary, in that congregation where, I don't know, let's just say, you know, four, five, 10, 20 of the women had just taken Plan B. That weekend, and image bearers of God were dying through that process, were being murdered, while the pastor, who hasn't really spoken about abortion as murder, and doesn't see it as his, sees it just basically as his his role is to administer the sacraments and to preach the gospel. And yeah, you know, they're pro-life. Or this church has never, ever, this, this, these elders have never stood against institutionalized injustice. The foundations of God's throne,
1: righteousness and justice, have just been completely forsaken. Or, or, or just face it, this, maybe this is just a body who has had no heart, no outreach, practically speaking, to the least, the last, and the lost. Amen. And Jesus said, to the extent that you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. Mm. And, uh, and and so all we're simply doing is we're saying is that how should we live if judgment is on the horizon? People who live in Oklahoma have storm shelters or know what they're going to do in the event that an F-5 tornado is spotted on Doppler radar when the funnel cloud hits the ground, you have no time to make a plan. Now, maybe the people who are mindless ninnies, whose only concern is about having a cold six-pack in the fridge, a hot pizza at the door, and their remote control in their hand, and who's on, uh, who's on Dancing with the Stars that night, and are uh, whether you know who's in the who's playing this weekend. Okay, maybe they don't care, but a righteous man is not looking at those things. And so we're simply saying is that if you take the equivalent of living in a place like Tornado Alley, where it's not a question of whether there will be tornadoes, it's when will there be tornadoes and where specifically will they they strike. And even if you're not affected immediately yourself, will you have any means whatsoever to help your neighbors or people nearby who do need help? But you don't have any extra. So you can't help. You yep. see what I'm saying? So the idea is, is how many churches uh, don't today nowadays don't even have a concept of a food pantry, don't have a concept of deep larders of a hidden cache of food, so that their congregation doesn't die off in the first wheat wave. Yep. How come Mormons have to have seven years of food stored up, or the Amish can live off the grid? Right? Are they shm- Are they wiser than us? Well, he, there is that verse where he says the sons of man are wiser wow. than the sons of light.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's certainly coming to fruition. Look, Bill, what would you, in, in, in wrapping it up, uh, what would you say would be the the first step that you know somebody might be hearing this podcast and jump on the war room and say like i wanted to hear something practical and tactical and i heard about the judgment of god and yeah i'm a post millennialist but you know i'm not living like the, the hammer could drop at any second i'm in you know my hotel room like whatever and at my traveling job or right having i'm in an apartment complex where I don't have any food store or anything like that. Like, what what is the what is the first thing that I can do? I don't have a lot of money right now. You know, what what is the first thing that I can do to be responsible and and to start preparing for an event like this uh, and actually exercise dominion
1: in a in a situation like this? Well, I don't think it's practical for anybody to think they're going to last long on their own. Uh, it's like if you're going to go swimming or going cave exploring, they always say, take a buddy, tell somebody. Uh, I I think you need to begin to reach out, communicate your concerns to others in your fellowship, in your circle of of associations and see who is like-minded and Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one falls, the other will lift up his companion. That's never any more true than in a catastrophe or disaster. Um, So I think it's, first of all, it's foolish to think that you can live as an island. I think it's, and, and why would you want to live as an island? Right. Uh, unless you can stay up 24 hours to protect yourself and what you've got, you can at least need people to stand watches. So I would first of all, I would begin to reach out to other people and put out feelers and see if there are other people that are like-minded. Secondly, on a very immediate scale, the thing you obviously have to have is you have to have a a, a way to access water. Now you don't have to have. If the electrical grid goes, the water system goes down. There's no water going to come out of the tap because it's Fed. It's pump-fed. So I would suggest, and I've given several of these away to families, is that you have a gravity-fed water filter. They're generally Berkey or Alexa Pure, very different brand names. They generally you just pour in water. You could take stagnant pond water or water out of a nearby drainage ditch and pour it in the top, and it will make the water fit to drink. It will, it will, it will purify the water. That is your best hope, you know. One that fits on a refrigerator or on the end of your faucet is worthless when you have no water pressure or no electricity. And the other thing, they're not—they don't have a large enough capacity. You need something that would provide your family with a source of water for a period of, of extended period of time, maybe a, a month or more. Uh, it's also small enough. You also need a way to transport things. Your cars may not work. Uh, I would, I would. There are collapse. I just saw a thing the other day for a collapsible wagon. That that you have to. You're gonna have to have way that because it may very well be that in a situation like this, the safest place for you is in your home. But that also may be a death trap because there's no AC, no heat. Yet people coming to your door looking for anything that you have and they're willing to kill to get it. So your opportunity is you want to get to. Your, your rally point with these other like-minded individuals. Yeah. So those are the first steps. And then the other thing is, is uh, either storable food or powdered nutrition supplements because you have to have the water, but if you have supplements like Longevity, Mighty 90, Plexus, things that have that are nutrient-rich, even though you may not have food, you will have nutrition. You'll have strength of weight to also to keep your uh, immune system maximized. You, you also need something like uh, nascent iodine or uh, uh, ozone, uh, MMS, or um, 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 oregano oil, a natural antibacterial, because you're going to be in a very toxic bacteria-laden environment with all the death and destruction around you. And so to keep your yourself from becoming sick, you're going to need things like that. So those are right. very basic things. We're not talking about building a log cabin right. or, or, or we're not talking about having uh, you know, uh, you know, an arsenal. Those are just very preliminary steps. Again, go to survivalblog.com, listen to my War Room interview with James Wesley Rawls. He has a whole series of books that you can order, that read like how-to books, watch. I really encourage you to watch the documentary Beyond Off Grid. It's made by all recon families that talk about this and begin to talk among other members of your family. What if it was just a – pretend it's just a local catastrophe, Mm. a power outage in your community in the midst of summer that only lasted a week. When the temperatures inside your house rise to 140 degrees, right? what do you do? What what sorts of, these are things that we need to think about right. because um, a righteous man sees trouble and hides himself from
2: it. Awesome. Well, yep. Look, being post-mill, we, we understand God judges nations in history. Our nation is ripe for judgment. Our culture is ripe for judgment. Bill Evans just put the knowledge down, basically, on what we need to do. That first step, we need to repent of being apathetic in this area and exercise dominion as that remnant. That is practical. That is tactical. Because when Christendom rebuilds, we want to be part of that. When God... Because God's kingdom will come. His will will be done. His will is done where his law is honored. What we see in our culture is lawlessness. This is not a uh, an if. This is a when. And let's be ready. Let's be prepared. Let's exercise dominion. Hey, thanks for blessing us with that, Bill. That was absolutely just tremendous. And I know most of us was only paying lip service to the fact We were considering about being ready for the
1: judgment of God.
2: Now we we just need to start
1: taking the first steps. And remember that being post-millennial, believing in gospel victory, does not mean that we anticipate an unbroken chain of one success after another until things just get better and better and better, that there are nations that rise and nations that fall in in a process. So thanks for joining us today here on The War Room.
2: Thank you so much. Appreciate you all. Practical, tactical, The War Room. We'll catch you all next time.
0: Thank you for joining us in the War Room. Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, By My Soul Among Lions.